please turn with me in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 1. And we're in verse 6. Ruth chapter 1, verse 6. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the story of Naomi and the story of Ruth, and your redemption, your restoration in their lives after experiencing famine and death and losing hope, wrestling through bitterness that you restored and you blessed them. And we thank you, God, that you're committed to restoration to the point where you sent your son to die for us, to forgive us, to restore us, even to a better condition than prior to receiving Christ. Lord, so where there needs to be a work of redemption and restoration in our souls and in relationships, God, we come before you and ask that you would work. We do pray that your will would be done in this service, that we would be refreshed. And we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Peter Cropper was a famous violinist, and in 1981, he had the opportunity to play a violin that was very famous, a Stradivarius. It was 258 uh, years old, and this is a true story, and the Royal Academy of Music said that he could use this violin for a series of concerts. And one particular evening, he was walking up on stage, and he tripped, and he broke the violin right at the neck. It, it, just, it just broke off. Could you, could you imagine the, the horror of that? So he takes the violin back to the master craftsman, and the master craftsman was able to put it back together to the point where you couldn't even see where the neck had been broken, and it sounded as good as ever. And so he really had the joy then of continuing to play that violin. Uh, the Music Academy graciously continued to allow him to play uh, the violin. And our lives experience the restoration of God. That God's able to be able to put the pieces back together where we have destroyed ourselves and others through sin, where we've been crushed by uh, circumstances. Naomi, she has lost everything. She lost her homeland, Bethlehem. She lost her husband who died, and she lost her two sons. Can you imagine the, the grief that would come over her and the pain that had come over her? And that's where we left off last week in verse 5, and I'm so glad that you came back tonight. Because as we get into verse 6 and we continue through the rest of this chapter and through the rest of this book, we're going to see God restoring and bringing about redemption. And we're literally on the road to restoration here. Naomi gets word that there's bread back in Bethlehem. She decides to leave Moab and go back to Bethlehem. And God begins to restore and put things back together. I think we're going to see some very practical and important things to learn about how God restores our life uh, this evening. I think this is helpful. The dictionary definition of restoration is the action of returning something to a former owner, place, or condition. So when we think of restoration, we think about getting it back into the original condition or back to the original owner. And when God restores, he gets us even better than our original condition. Amen? Because our original condition is, is sin. In us dwells no, no good thing. And God in his grace forgives us and begins to grow us in a way that only he can. In verse 6, then she arose with her daughter-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard 
in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Remember, they had a famine in Bethlehem, in Judah. And because of this famine, they had to leave and dwell in Moab. The scripture told us in the introduction, in the first few verses, that they were in Moab for for 10 years. So it was a very long famine. Also, we know it was the time of the judges. There was spiritual rebellion against God. And God, in his grace, chooses to visit Judah, visit Bethlehem, visit Israel with bread once again. And say, look, I'm, I'm here to provide for your needs. They didn't necessarily deserve it because they were rebelling against God in such a great way. So if you're taking notes about redemption and restoration, the first is restoration through bread. Restoration through bread. God visited Bethlehem with bread, but then later in the future, he also visited Bethlehem with the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He visited us with his own son, God in in human flesh. Church, let's have Christmas in July for a little bit tonight. Definitely parking was easier getting in here tonight than on Christmas Eve, right? But Christmas, we think about God coming in human flesh, God visiting us by giving us his, his own son. And the amazing gift and the humility of God that God would come in human flesh. God gives physical bread to Bethlehem, to Judah, to Naomi for the purpose of restoration. For the purpose of bringing Naomi back. And God gave his son for the purpose of restoration. We sold ourselves because of sin. We're under bondage because of sin. And the only way out of this bondage is for God to send his son to be humbled as a man, to live life as a man here on this earth, but then to be crucified and rise again for our sins. And that's God visiting us. What I love about this story with Naomi is God is initiating restoration. As we're gonna read tonight, Naomi's not seeking the Lord. In fact, she's angry at God. And God could have easily said, I'm going to leave Naomi alone. But instead, he seeks after her. And he wants to restore her. And he wants to to rebuild her. And that's the gospel. We weren't seeking after God. We weren't longing after him. God first loved us and sent his son. Sent his son to be born in Bethlehem and to die upon the cross. So redemption is through bread. It's through the bread of life. Restoration is through the the bread of life. Even tonight in our lives, for those that know the Lord, if there's an area of our life that we're longing for God to to work in, it's going to be through God visiting us, just like he visited Bethlehem, and saying, Lord, would, would you work in me? Would you help me to understand you in a greater way? Communion is an important part of our relationship with the Lord. We have communion here on Wednesday nights and the third weekend of the month, usually, because we want to remember Christ's broken body. We want to remember his shed blood and that this is where the work of redemption starts. Naomi getting back to Bethlehem, that's going to lead to Ruth getting remarried to Boaz and blessed with a child, begins with God giving provision begins by God opening up the door. And this sparks her heart and mind saying, I don't need to be in Moab any longer. It's time for me to get on the road and to get back to to Bethlehem. In verse seven, therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. So her two daughter-in-laws, 
Ruth and Orpah decide that they're going to go with Naomi to go back to, to Bethlehem. And verse 8, And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return, each of you, to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. Why do you want to go with me, Naomi says. Why do you want to go be a foreigner in, in Bethlehem, in Judah? Go back to your mom's house and get remarried. May God bless you with, with another husband, and may you find, find refuge in uh, another husband's uh, home. And this was Naomi's plan for her daughter-in-laws. And she kissed them and lifted up their voices, and they wept. So this seems like this is going to be it. Naomi's going to continue back to Bethlehem. Ruth and Orpah are going to go back to Moab. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. So they say, no, we, we want to go with you back to, to Bethlehem. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? She's saying, am I going to have more sons? Is there any hope of, of you remarrying? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I'm too old to have a husband. She's like, I am not going to get remarried. I'm too old for, for that. If I should, if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Are you, you going to be able to stick around even if I were to get married tonight and get pregnant tonight and have a son? Uh, this is not possible. Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Saying God is against me. This is her, her view of God at this point. After experiencing the famine, the loss of her husband, and the loss of her two sons, she, she believes that God is adversarial towards, towards her. And she's saying, This is negatively affecting you, Ruth and Orpah, because God's out to get me. He's, he's against me. In verse 14, then they lifted up their voices and wept again. So lots of tears. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, signifying that she's going back to Moab. But Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to her. And notice what then Ruth begins to say. She said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Look, Orpah, she's gone back to her people, gone back to Moab and back to her gods. It seems like it's pretty easy for, for Naomi to express at this point, yeah, just go back to your gods, you know? She's not there saying, hey, there's one true living God, and he's the God of Israel. And these others are our false gods. She's saying, no, I, I could see why you would just, just go back and, and that you would serve the, the, these other gods. And she seems to be encouraging it. In verse 16, but Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you, or turn back from following after you. She says, please, let me follow you. Forever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if there is anything but death parts you and me. This may be one of the greatest miracles in the Bible, that a daughter-in-law actually wants to go live with her mother-in-law. 
just joking, right? But you can see the relationship that, that has uh, developed here and has taken place. And the second thing to know about restoration is restoration is through companionship. First, re- restoration is through bread. Ultimately, the bread of life in Jesus Christ. But then, restoration is through companionship. Very practically, Naomi's life is restored by God using Ruth. I think if Ruth doesn't go with Naomi, the restoration wouldn't have happened in quite the same way. And God loves to restore broken lives through the body of Christ. And Ruth says, I'm going to cling to you. I'm, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be by your side. And there's great companionship that is shared. And if you're in a, a broken place in your life, maybe there has been death or, or disease or, or destruction or despair, all the great D's, look around for God to provide a roof. And you only need one. You only need one. You don't necessarily need 10 people or 100 people. You need one. And it may be your spouse. It may be one of your kids. It could be your mother-in-law, your, your daughter-in-law, a friend at work, a f- friend in the fellowship. But God's spirit may be stirring someone that says, I want to come alongside of you and walk with you through this hardship. I realize you're broken. I, I realize this is a difficult time. So look for God to provide that, that Ruth. But also tonight, God may be calling you to be a Ruth. The Holy Spirit may be showing you someone at work, in your family, in your neighborhood, and they are going through some crushing blows in their lives. And you feel this deep-rooted sense of compassion, and God is calling you to walk alongside with them and to make some of these similar commitments that Ruth is making. And, And these people are gold in times of trial, aren't they? A friend, someone inside of the body of Christ that says, I'm not going to try to fix this. I'm not going to try to solve this. Ruth isn't trying to play Mrs. Fix-It in Naomi's life. She's just saying, look, I'm here, and you're not getting rid of me, and I'm going to walk with you through this trial and through this difficulty. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ, isn't it? And that's what's so unique about the body of Christ. I don't know if you've observed this, but a lot of times in the world, there are fairly close friendships amongst unbelievers, but then life hits the fan, and unbelievers don't know what to do with trauma and difficulty. And so they pretty much opt out, even in a good friend or a good family member. They, they don't know what to say or what to do, and it just overwhelms them, and it, and it freaks them out to too much of a great degree, and so they just kind of back out. And they're, they're there, but not really. But the body of Christ is different, you know? It's the Spirit of God that lives inside of us that says, I know this is uncomfortable. I know that Naomi's not easy to be around right now. But the Spirit of God equips the body to say, be with this person, walk alongside of them, and be that comforter that God desires. So God wants to to bring restoration through companionship. Most times, not always, But most times, great works of redemption have the testimony of God using someone inside of the body of Christ. I think about it in your own life. In real deep trials or or darkness, and God brings a believer along at the right time, a Ruth at the right time, and God really uses them in your life. 
Let's evaluate the commitments that Ruth makes here because she makes several commitments in verse 16 and verse 17. First, she says, I'm going with you and will live with you. She says, where you go, I will go and I'm gonna lodge where you lodge. So you're not gonna be able to, to shake me, Naomi. And then she says, I'm gonna adopt your people. Your people will be my people. And that's difficult to do, isn't there? There's just something about our own culture the things that we're used to, our own language, things like baseball and hamburgers and tacos and spaghetti, the, the great USA, right? I know some people get called to foreign missions, but God bless them, right? Because I feel called to local missions right here in Colorado Springs. Like, I love living in the United States of America, right? And it would be very difficult for me to, to go and live in another country, if you've heard me teach long enough, you know that I struggle greatly with English. <laughs> let alone trying to learn another language. It'd be terrible, right? And here, Ruth is so compelled with her love for Naomi, she says, I'm in. I'm, I'm willing to go. And I'm, I'm willing for your people to become my people because I, I care about you. So she makes that commitment as well. The greatest commitment here that we see in Ruth is your God be my God. And I believe as Ruth walked with Naomi that she came to a sincere understanding who the God of the Bible is, the God of Israel, the one true living God. And here this Moabitess that only grew up with false gods and idolatry and all kinds of pagan wickedness, she sees something real inside of Naomi and Naomi's relationship with God, and she says, I want your God to be my God. And this is really encouraging because Naomi's not at the top of her game, right? Naomi's discouraged. Naomi's upset with God. But even in the midst of that, that brokenness, there was a testimony to, to Ruth about the one true living God. A lot of times we think to be an effective witness, we've got to have our act together, don't we? But the truth is, a lot of times people are going to see God through us when we're not at our best. When we're broken and we're confused and we're struggling and wrestling to, to find answers. And Ruth makes this commitment to God. She, she is a believer. She's a follower of the one true living God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. She makes a lifelong commitment. She's saying, this isn't just for six months or, or six years. Naomi, I'm with you. I'm going to be with you till you die or till I die. I'm going to be by your side. Restoration comes through companionship. I really believe that as we study the scriptures uh, together, that God has us in the right place of scripture for the right time. So I, I think that there are some that you're really going through a difficult time and maybe there is a Ruth in your life and you're having a hard time receiving their love and care. It had to have been kind of hard for Naomi to let Ruth come. And she was really trying to find a way to have Ruth stay. But she receives the love and care. Maybe you have been the caregiver. You've been the one to walk with others through their hard times. And the hardest is to be able to receive and trust the word of God that the depth of re restoration will not take place unless you receive the care from the Ruth that God has put into your life. 
But for others, and you know who you are, before you came in tonight, God's been putting somebody on your heart. He's been putting them on your heart. And you know how bad they're suffering. And you know the difficulty that they're going through. And the Lord's saying, hey, take a little bit of time to help them. Take some time to call them. Send, send them a text. Make them a meal. Help them get to their doctor's appointment. Provide a, a listening ear. And say yes unto the Lord for the potential of the beautiful work of redemption that God's going to do. The, the work of restoration that God's going to do. So we know that we're loved by God, and sometimes the way that that is communicated most personally is when the body of Christ cares for us. The body of Christ is the hands and feet of Jesus, is, is the healing balm of, of Christ. He chooses to use us in, in that way. And so say, okay, Lord, yes, I, I'm, I'm committed. I'm willing to, to serve and to come alongside of this person to see the work of of redemption that would be done. What we're discovering is God turning around a family. And joy is going to come into Ruth's life as she gets remarried and has a little boy. And as you're serving someone and caring for them and praying for them and coming alongside of them, you are impacting a family. They're, they're connected to a mom, to a dad, you know. Somebody who's homeless in our parking lot or there's somebody's son, somebody's daughter. You know, somebody's going, you know, where's my son? I, I haven't heard from him for, for such, a, such a long time, you know. And to realize as we come alongside of somebody, God could be impacting a whole entire family. God could be redeeming a whole entire family. Dads, if you know a, another dad that, that's really struggling, or maybe the, a marriage that's really struggling, and you, you come alongside of them, and God does a work in that dad, in that husband, that's going to impact that marriage. And that's going to impact some kids. And God's going to do a work of restoration and redemption inside of a whole and entire family. Maybe there's a, a co-worker that's going through a hard time. They don't know Christ, and you come alongside of them, and God uses that for them to be born again. Light has just come into a family. Salvation has just come into a family, and that could impact a marriage and impact generations. And so restoration, it does come through relationship. It comes through companionship. In verse 18, when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Ruth said this in such a way where she's like, this is not a negotiation. I am coming with you. And Naomi humbles herself and she receives the love and she receives the care. Maybe you have a genuine need and someone offers to help. Still, our response many times is, no, that's okay, I got it, right? When inside you're saying, no, I do need help. I, I do need someone to, to come alongside of me. Verse 19, now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. So they travel about 50 miles, 60 miles, probably several days journey, and they finally get to Bethlehem. And it happened when they'd come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? This is a fairly small town, small in comparison to Jerusalem. The families know each other. They know that Naomi has been gone and, and they are missing her. And they're so excited to see Naomi and they, they greet her. And word gets around that Naomi's back. But she said to them, don't call me Naomi. Naomi means pleasantness. Call me Mara, which means bitterness, 
for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. This is like the initial greeting. Can you, can you picture this? Like, Naomi, it's so great to see you. And she just looks at him and says, let's get, let's get one thing straight, right? Like, like, it is not Naomi anymore. No more of this pleasantness stuff. It's Mara. Every time you see me, you just, you just call me Mara, bitterness. And the Hebrews are much about the meaning of names. They're more concerned with the meaning of names and the, the, the sound of names. So she's, she's very quick to share her bitterness. And she expresses her view at this point. She says, I went out full, and the Lord brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? I went out full. She's walked this road before, from Bethlehem to Moab. And the first time that she went, she went with her husband and two sons. She's come back now, and she has no husband. She doesn't have her, her two sons. She was full, but now she has come back empty. She's come back empty. And her conclusion then, her perspective, her worldview about God is that God is against me. Now, there's others in Scripture that experience pain through the hand of God, where God has allowed pain in their lives, and they do respond differently than Naomi, don't they? Job, he loses his children. He loses his possessions, his cattle, his riches, his health. What does he express to God? The Lord gives and takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. There's an expression of trust that Job ascribes to God even in the midst of the pain. With lamentations, Jeremiah is suffering. The nation of Israel is suffering, and Jeremiah is, is frustrated and, and overwhelmed. But he gets to a place where he trusts the Lord. In Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, it says, Through the Lord's mercies we're not consumed, because his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So he has a different response than Naomi did. We see Paul in the New Testament suffering and writing in Philippians chapter 4, saying, I know how to abound, I know how to be abased. Nevertheless, whatever state I'm in, I'm content. I can do all things through Christ who, who strengthens me. However, I'm thankful for Naomi's response. Why? Because sometimes it's our response, right? We don't always have the Job response. We don't always have the Jeremiah response. We don't always have the Paul response. And sometimes we have the Naomi response. And I think that this is actually an important part of her healing and an important part of her restoration. You're saying, what's going on here? What kind of church should we come to tonight? Hear me out on this. Is restoration through honesty. Restoration through honesty. Is that Naomi at least could be honest about the place that she was in. It's not the best place. It, it's, it's pretty ugly, but it's where she's at. And the Lord knows that she's there, and she articulates it. And I think as she's open and she's honest about it, without her even realizing it, she is opening a door for God to do a work in, in her life. If you are angry at God, or upset with God, or disillusioned with God, what good does it to try to pretend that that doesn't exist? That's where you're at. If you're bitter towards a person who has hurt you, instead of trying to pretend that that's not there, it's a lot better to be open and to be honest about it 
hopefully with the Lord, and say, God, I know that this is not the best place for me to be, but this is where I'm at. And the beautiful thing about our text is God doesn't reject Naomi because she's in a bad place. Isn't that good? God continues the work of restoration in her life, unconditionally pursuing her even though she's in this dark place. And our lives are a testimony of that. There's many times where we're not in the best place as God's children, but he continues to pursue us. He continues to want to bring a work of redemption and restoration in our lives. So just like restoration's gonna come through the bread of life, Jesus Christ, and restoration's gonna come through companionship, I think also restoration's gonna come through honesty. Respectful, loving honesty towards the Lord of saying, God, this is where I'm at. Just for fun, let's examine Naomi's bitterness for, for just a second. Because she just full on expresses that she's bitter. What lessons are there in bitterness from Naomi? First, bitterness affects Naomi's view of God. Bitterness affects Naomi's view of God. And when we go through difficulty and we go through hurt and we go through pain, it's easy for us to then adopt the wrong view of God. Is God really against Naomi? Is God Naomi's enemy? Has he, has he cursed Naomi? Is he done with, with Naomi? Not at all. In fact, through Naomi's line is going to be Christ, the messianic line. But yet, she feels that the hand of the Lord is, is against her. And I know sometimes in our emotions, we can feel that way. We, again, going back to the Apostle Paul, he was persuaded that nothing could separate him from the love of God. And he focused upon the cross. And he says, if God did not withhold his son from us, how will he not with him freely give us all things? In essence, he's saying, I know that God has my best interest at my, in mind because he sent his son to die upon the cross. And I'm not trying to minimize pain and minimize suffering and death and loss. But I do think that we can learn from Naomi's experience and be careful that we don't allow pain and loss to, to reform our view of God. That our view of God comes from scripture, not our own pain. Say, okay, I know what God's word tells me. I know what the truth tells me. I know that this is who God is, that he's a loving father who sent his son to die for me and rise again, and, and, and I can trust him. So bitterness, if we're not careful, will affect our, our view of God. And thankfully, just like Naomi, it's never too late to get your spiritual vision corrected. I think Naomi has a corrected view of God by the time we get to the end of the book of Ruth. Second thing with bitterness, bitterness destroys Naomi's person. And that's right in the text. What does she say? I, I'm not pleasant anymore. I am bitter. That, 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 is, that is who I am. And God tells us to be careful that bitterness doesn't take root because it defiles many, Hebrews 12 tells us. Bitterness is tricky just kind of settles easy in our lives where all of a sudden we start to buy the lie of, you know, God doesn't really love you. And you've really gotten the unfair deal from, from God. 
You, know, you, you, can, you can hold something uh, against God. You, ha- you have the right to be able to do that. Or, you know, it's really a weak thing to forgive someone. Don't forgive them. Don't ever let them hurt you again and you build up that, that wall of bitterness. The problem with bitterness is, is it destroys your person, right? An outside observer, a friend, a family member, Sometimes even a, a stranger can recognize, oh, that's a really bitter person. That, that's true. They're not pleasant. They, whew, the bitter waters coming, coming outside of, of their souls. So be wise, be understanding. Bitterness will destroy our person. And then bitterness dampens relationships. I think that some of these ladies are excited to be back in relationship with Naomi. But she talks them out of it in the first sentence. She's like, no, don't, don't even smile at me. Don't even call me pleasant. I'm bitter. I've lost my husband. I've lost my, my two, two sons. And they're, they're probably going, well, that didn't go very good, right? Wow, great to see you too, right? And it, and it dampens her, her relationships. And that's what bitterness will do. It'll, it'll dampen our relationship with God. It'll dampen our relationship with others. If we're if we're angry and bitter towards God, if we're angry and bitter towards an individual, we're very quickly going to come to that place where we're saying, I don't want anything to do with, with relationships. In fact, I'm going I'm to put up barriers so that no one can be in relationship with me. So what's the answer to bitterness? How do we get past bitterness? Well, we understand the character and nature of God and we, we choose to trust him. We make that choice of trust. Asking that the Lord would change our hearts. God, my heart is bitter. Would you do a a work in my heart? He can take a heart of stone and cause it to be a heart of of flesh again, can't he? Choosing to forgive if someone has hurt us or, or wronged us. Because God has forgiven us. Entrusting that hurt over to the Lord that God will be uh, the righteous judge. I think bitterness is unlocked inside of us at the cross of Jesus Christ. Because when we look at the cross, we say, God, I can trust you. There's pain. There's things I don't understand. There's things I wish you would have done differently. But I can trust you because I understand who you are revealed at the cross. And also, I can choose to forgive. I can choose to forgive because you have forgiven me at the cross. And then God begins to do that work of setting us free of bitterness. But be encouraged be encouraged tonight. Naomi is going to be set free from bitterness not because she necessarily chose to or pursued it, but because God pursued her and melted her heart through fresh blessings being poured into her life. See, God's a loving father, and he's saying, you're frozen with bitterness and you're doing your very best to stay there with your arms crossed, I'm never going to trust God again, not in the same way. He he hurt me. I'm not going to love people. They're just going to hurt me again. I'm going to buy myself a cabin, do the whole tiny house thing. I don't need room for anybody else, right? And the Lord's like, we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to Dethaw your heart and you're going to start start loving again and that's how good god is that's that's how wonderful the lord is that revealed through this text 
In verse 22, so Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Fourth thing about restoration, restoration through timing, restoration through timing. The scripture says they came at the beginning of the barley harvest. There's been a famine for a long time. God visited them with bread. A little bit, and a while back, some people decided to plant some barley. God blessed with rain. And now they're at the beginning of the harvest. They don't have food. Ruth and Naomi don't have food. We're going to see in next week's study that Ruth's like, okay, we need to do some things to, to, to get food. They could have shown up and harvest was a long way out. They could have shown up and they'd just begun to plant. But God in his grace, in his sovereignty, ordained and allowed for them to come. Coincidence, right? No, God's hand that they come at the beginning of barley harvest. And oh, by the way, she meets her new husband through this whole harvesting process. God's in the details. Have you ever experienced God's loving care and his restoration and his rebuilding of your life through timing? Like, wow, I just happened to be here at this time, at this place, and I met my spouse, right? That was God's hand. Or I just happened to be over here at this day needing a job and I ran into this person and the next thing you know, I had employment. That was God restoring through, through timing. Or these circumstances, these events led me to this doctor who really helped to unlock this health problem and now I'm feeling a lot better. Coincidence. No, it was God's timing. I think about my life and I moved out here to Colorado Springs in February of 2000. I was 21, just about ready to turn 22. And God in his timing had myself and Sean Rafferty, who is on staff here, all you guys know Pastor Sean, we interviewed for the same position. Rocky Mountain was, was hiring one youth pastor for junior high and high school. So they flew me out from Idaho and Sean and Lisa came up from uh, New Mexico and about a week apart from each other, we interviewed for the position. You know, and they just said, hey, yeah, we're interviewing a guy from New Mexico. We're interviewing a guy from Idaho and praying about what, what the, the Lord would have. And probably two or three weeks after interviewing, I get a phone call from Pastor Robert. And he calls me out there in Idaho and he says, you know, I'm talking about it and praying about it. We want to offer you a job to work with the junior high kids. And that was not on the top of my list. I was like not a big fan of the, of the junior hypers, you know. But God had really put the kids of RMC on my heart and I, I felt led and I told the Lord, if you open the door, I'll go, you know. And so I, I said yes and, and Robert went on to explain that they chose to hire Sean to, to do high school and Sean would, would be my overseer as I was, I was doing uh, junior high. Doesn't seem like a big deal, right? It seems like, oh yeah, at the beginning of, of barley harvest, uh, you, know, you know, you got hired for junior high and Sean got hired for high school. So Sean and I show up and we start uh, working together. The church was over by Harmony Bowl, really small youth room. Like our, our office was like really, really small. Like I could probably do this in the office. And there's two of us in the office. So Sean and I got to know each other 
maybe better than we wanted to. You know what I mean? Like really quick, we got to know each other. And he, he really quickly became a, a best friend. And it's coming into Christmas time. It's, it's you know, Christmas has just, just happened. And, and Sean sits down with me and he says, hey, you know what, Eric? Uh, we, we have a friend in, in Denver. You know, we used to do youth ministry and she's about, about your age. And he gives me this spiel. And he says, you know, hey, why don't we all just go out? You know, like, you will just, the four of us will go out, and we'll just see if God does something. Basically, it was a blind date, right, you know? And, and Lisa had called Amber and said, said that something similar to, to her, you know, and I think Amber was like, well, I'll only go if, if you guys go, right? And so, so literally, you know, Sean and Lisa and I drive up to Denver. I'm in the back seat. Sean and Lisa are in the front seat. And we show up at Amber's parents' house and knock on the door, and the four of us uh, go out, go out on a date, and then the rest was history. Like we were met and married in eight months. Like I, I met my wife through through Sean and Lisa. So, <laughs> and then all of these years, it's been eighteen years now. We've been able to journey together with the Raffertys, and even while they were down in uh, Chihuahua planting a church, and they will come back here, and Sean come back on on our pastoral team, and God was in the timing. God was in the timing of, of all of that, and it would easily be able to say, well, that just, just happened, but no, that was God's restoration. That was God's redemption, and a lot of soul work that God has done and is doing in my life has happened through my wife, and even then when we met, God really used her to bring about life where there was death and some springtime in the soul and some restoration through companionship. And I think a lot of you could say the same thing about your spouse, couldn't you? You could say God really has used them to do a work of, of restoration and, and rebuilding and, and life where there, there was death and, and the Lord was, was in the timing. So I want you to be encouraged and think in your own life as you reflect this evening and go, maybe, you know, if I would have been a week over here or a week over there, my life would have looked completely different, but the Lord had me show up at Barley Harvest. And the Lord was doing a work of redemption and, and restoration. Two questions tonight. Do you believe God wants to bring restoration in your life? Because maybe before we were saved or when we first got saved, we really believed that. We really believed that God wanted to rebuild and bring life where there's death. But maybe if you've walked with the Lord for a while, unbelief starts to creep in and we go, I don't know if God is really wanting to or God is capable I've been struggling with this for so long, or this person has hurt me so bad, and do you believe that God wants to bring restoration in your life? And then the other question to wrestle with this evening is, has bitterness taken root in your life? Has bitterness taken root in your life, and it's affecting how you view God? And it's destroying your person, and it's dampening your relationships. And may the Lord shine light upon that, and set you free from that bitterness and take that heart of flesh, heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. So let's stand together and let's pray. Father, I thank you for your endless pursuit of me. That even when I'm off track and my view of you is distorted, yet you continue to pursue my heart and pursue my life and Lord, we thank you that that's true of, of all of us. And Lord, would you allow us to come back to that place of faith 
that you are desiring to do a work of restoration and redemption and to, to rebuild. God, we pray for any that don't know you as our Savior, that they would come to understand that you longed to restore in such a way that you sent your Son to, to die for them. And Father, also where, where bitterness has really done a number inside of us, maybe we're bitter towards you. And like Naomi, we, we feel that you've come against us or where you were you when, when this happened or this took place or how could you allow this? Real questions. Or maybe we're bitter towards a person who's hurt us or wronged us. God, would you rescue us and bring us out of that place of bitterness? And we thank you for your timing in our lives, for allowing us to be just in the right place at the right time for you to do a work in our lives. So as we worship, would you continue to bring encouragement? And we love you in Jesus' name, amen.